Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. America! The Nightcap. Get your bed. Get your bed and go. Okay? I'll throw down. I'll throw down any day of the week. Keep your little man and drive out of my face, okay? Before I go to America, all over here. Nobody can stop the USA. Yeah. But that's not right. I am talking about freedom. About choice. America, I don't think you need to worry. Because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend is your victory. Ryan Gates. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. On WGR Sports Radio 550. What'd you do, Kyle? This was new in the folder. It was pretty recent. Ryan, what are you doing? Are you telling me something? That this song blur... No, are you trying to say you want Ryan back? Deserves to be in the song, Is that what you're trying to say? Trying to say you want Ryan back? Sorry. Take this how you will. I'll take it. I'll take it very poorly. I'm just kidding. I won't take it. Um, I'm fired up now. I love that open. I haven't heard in a while. There's some sports on right now. I was talking about there's no sports tonight. Golden State's on national TV. <laughs> it's unbelievable. We talked some basketball with Nate Gary yesterday. Um, if you missed that, that's on demand. They're walking out here, starting five. And it's five all-starts. Like, people exaggerate. Like, sometimes, like, oh, they have an all-star team. They actually have an all-star team. Five all-stars. Not all this year, but all five. Five multiple all-stars. Steph, Clay, Durant, Draymond, Boogie Cousins. That's their starting five. It's just so, so unfair. And, like, that can't exist in another sport. Like, at least the Patriots. Like, they're, they're here over and over. But they're not doing it with, like, superstar players and... They're not winning every year. I mean, you think about it. New England, kind of comparing to Golden State here. New England was a few Atlanta first downs and one Seahawks yard away from losing three straight Super Bowls, four straight Super Bowls, five straight Super Bowls. No. Yeah, five. Just say those little, those two little things happened. Falcons got a couple first downs that would have run the clock enough where New England wouldn't have been able to tie it. They would have lost to Atlanta. If the Seahawks get another yard, they score a touchdown, they beat New England. Revisionist history. I know, you don't always want to play the what-if game, but I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it here because I'm going to play it actually in a second with something else. If that, if those two things happened, New England would be riding a five-game Super Bowl losing streak. Giants twice, Falcons, Seahawks, Eagles. See, that's where you threw me off. I thought you were talking like consecutive years. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. Just like the last Oh. And then what would the legacy be? Because that's not often what happens. 
somebody like Brady wins his first three Super Bowls like early in his career, you, you do that early in your career, you're labeled a winner forever. Whereas on the opposite end, like you don't win early in your career, and even if you win later, it's still gonna be in the back of people's minds that like, oh, he's a choke artist. He can't get the he can't win the big game. Like Peyton Manning got that treatment, even though he has two Super Bowl victories. And he had to run into the Patriots every year. Oh, we were so close. Because then you're not you're not saying Brady's the best quarterback ever. You can say he's kind of beaten time, but you're not saying he's the best ever, and you're probably not saying Belichick's the best ever. Oh, that would have been such an interesting conversation. But obviously they've won too, so they had to go and ruin our, all our fun everywhere else in the country. Um, so I want to play revisionist history with something else here. If you'd missed it, you've got a report from Seth Wickersham of ESPN talking about some dysfunction with the Browns. I haven't read the whole thing. I've read most of it. Um, And the most important part pertaining here in Buffalo is the fact that in 2016, when they hired Hugh Jackson, their executives wanted Sean McDermott as their head coach. And the owner stepped in, Jimmy Haslam, maybe made one of the worst decisions ever by hiring Hugh Jackson and then going 1-31 for the next two years. They hired Hugh Jackson, which left Sean McDermott in Carolina, which left him available to the Bills next season. Let's play a little revisionist history there. Because I'm not a huge Sean McDermott guy. I respect the job he's done so far, but I am not at all sold on him as the long-term head coach of this team. I'm optimistic, but I'm not sold, even though he made the playoffs in year one. And even though it seems like he's starting to get better and better as uh as time's going on here. He's getting more aggressive with his decisions. He's starting personnel-wise, him and Bean, I want to group in together here. They're starting to figure out what works on offense more so, it seems, than they were in year number one in the first part of 2018. If the Browns had hired Sean McDermott, then the Bills would have fired Rex Ryan that year, and they would have been on the coach hunt just like they were. They interviewed three other candidates other than Sean McDermott. Anthony Lynn, who, of course, was the interim coach for that final game against the Jets in 2017. He goes to the Chargers. He interviewed for the Bills job. Maybe he would have stayed here instead of going to San Diego, which became L.A., or was it L.A. right away? He No, yeah, that's right. Anthony Lynn goes to the Chargers, and they immediately become L.A. So, I don't know. Maybe he would have stayed here and taken that head coaching job if they the Bills wanted him to do that. And I don't love that idea. Like, I think he's okay. I'd be maybe as sold on him as I'd be McDermott at this point. But that's a loaded roster there with the Chargers. Still got a great quarterback. Like, if you're just looking top to bottom, on paper, they're one of the best teams in the league. No doubt. And, you know, one playoff win, like, I think I would have wanted more there. They should have beat New England. And they got smoked. Like, on paper, they should have beat New England. So, I don't love that if Lynn would have ended up the Bills coach. And this is assuming the Browns owner wouldn't have stepped in and stopped them from hiring McDermott in 2016. The other two guys the Bills hired, Harold Goodman, Excuse me, Harold Goodwin, who at the time was the Cardinals' offensive coordinator under Bruce Arians. He is now the offensive line coach in Tampa. So, uh, it doesn't sound like things are going too hot for him. 
that he's now an O-line coach on a team that, I, if I remember correctly, was not very good on the offensive line last year, the Buccaneers. And then you've got their other guy the Bills interviewed, uh, 39-year-old Chris Richard of the Seahawks, right? Yeah, he was well, at the time he was the Seahawks defensive coordinator, and now he might not be anywhere. No, he's not. No, Cowboys. Cowboys defensive backs coach. Okay. What would they have done? Would they have gone with one of those three? Would they have tried to keep Anthony Lynn? Would they have just hired Richard? Or Richard, whatever you pronounce his name. I think it's Richard. I don't know. But I think it's fair to say the Browns made a crucial mistake. And maybe we're looking at it right now and the Bills... Um, like they really, they really took advantage of a big mistake that it seems that they made in Cleveland today. Though I, I'd rather be Cleveland, even though they got a new head coach. I like Freddie Kitchens. We'll see what he is as a head coach, but they got the quarterback like locked down. Like he is going to be great, Baker Mayfield. Allen, there's still some question on that. He looks like Allen will be great, but there is still absolutely question on that. We do not know if Josh Allen's going to be this quarterback's. In this team's quarterback in three years. We don't. You can be optimistic about it, but you do not know. I know, and I'm pretty sure everyone knows, Baker Mayfield's going to be the Browns quarterback for a long time. Accuracy, footwork, athleticism, like he's got the whole package other than a couple extra inches of height, which it seems in today's NFL you don't. it's not really all that important. Kyler Murray might be a first-round pick. The dude's 5'9". I think today, even though the Bills have the the advantage at coach compared to what Cleveland's had the past few years, that's just kind of a view of what bottoming out can do for you, which the Bills never did. Never. All these years in the playoff drought, they never bottomed out. And Cleveland has done that over and over, and it hasn't worked every time for them, but Mayfield is the proof in the pudding. Eventually, it's going to work. In hockey, the Oilers are the proof in the pudding. Eventually, you're going to get that superstar. What and, you do with them is a different story. Right, but look, look even at Edmonton in hockey, for, for a second here, just try, try to transa- translate sports, or transition sports. It took the worst GM in hockey we've seen in a very long time to keep that team out of the playoffs. And even the one year they got to the second round. For all the stuff Peter Shirelli did. Trading Taylor Hall and getting Adam Larson. Trading Jordan Eberle and ending up with zero within a year and a half. Signing Milan Lucic, the one of the worst contracts that's been signed in years. It's, I mean, his, his last days in Edmonton, he signed a goalie that played 25 career games to a $4 million contract. Why would they even let him do that if they knew that he was about to be fired or if he could be fired recently? Anyways... The point of the matter, the the fact of the matter is, back in football, Cleveland bottomed out, and at some point you're going to get a guaranteed stud quarterback as long as you make the right pick there, which they did. Because Andrew Lux, like they don't come around all the time, they do come around. Guys that you know when they show up in the NFL draft that they're going to be beasts, and he's certainly one of them, Mayfield. And I think just on that fact alone. I'd rather be Cleveland than the Bills here. 
And that's not even factoring in that I think they're ahead of you in a lot of, you know, a lot of position groups. They have a franchise pass rusher right now in Miles Garrett. He's not a great number one receiver. They have a a respectable in terms of his skill. I'm not going to call him respectable in terms of his, you know, like the, the hits and stuff. But Jarvis Landry is a good wide receiver. He's a very good wide receiver. If he's not a number one, then he's a really, really good number two. And the Bills are still sitting there basically having to start over at receiver other than maybe you get something out of here uh, with Robert Foster and Zay Jones. The Browns have a young running back they can have for the next six years. Nick Chubb. Looked really good last year. Second round pick. That's what you should be doing a running back. Draft him in the in rounds after round one, and you'll be fine. Cleveland did it. Offensive line. They're not set, but Cleveland's good. Batonio, the guard, one of the best guards in football. Defense, I already mentioned. They got Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. Like that kind of he toe to toe with the, Trey White. I'd rather have Trey White. I think White's better. But like they've got a solid corner. They've got a good safety in Jabril Peppers. Even though the Bills, I would also give them the advantage there. So even the things the Bills would have over Cleveland in the positional groups, like Cleveland still got some solid players there. Jamie Collins at linebacker. Like they have a good roster. The only thing they've had to figure out really is coaching. That's it. And Kitchens. Coming in there, I guess, is still a big question mark. I think that's fair to say. He wasn't really on anyone's radar as a head coaching candidate until until really Greg Williams took over. Like mid-season is when we even started to know who Freddie Kitchens was. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm telling you, if Cleveland gets coaching right, they're going to be good for a long time. And the Bills, that is still a big question. They got 10 picks this year. They got a top 10 pick. We'll see what they do with it. But let's see what they do at running back. Let's see what they do at receiver. Let's see what they do at offensive line. Like, they still got a lot of work to do. And to me, I don't see Cleveland as a team, even though there's all this dysfunction behind the scenes. I think it's we, we, we might see here that talent, I still feel, overrules culture. It'll correct culture. Look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are a fractured mess right now in terms of the personalities on their team. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell in particular. Bell I almost don't even want to count anymore because he's gone. He hasn't played there all year. But those guys who a lot of people are calling locker room problems right now have been on that team for years Five, six years at least, I think, for both of them. I know Brown's been there since 2010. I think Bell was like 2014. It's like five years at least. All that dysfunction, all the criticism Mike Tomlin gets for not running a tight ship. And look what they've done. Sure, they missed the playoffs this year by like half a game. How about before that? Playoffs, 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 AFC championships. The talent overrules. If Josh Allen becomes great, and maybe he gets full of himself, this is a complete hypothetical. I'm not. He doesn't strike me as someone that would become this. Um, but let's just say for for 
the point of conversation that Josh Allen becomes one of the best quarterbacks in the league and he gets completely full of himself. That might have that might have happened with Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger's got a big ego. I don't know if that was always the case. But anyways, if Allen's great and that happens, his talent is going to overrule that other stuff. I think we're getting a little of that out of Philly right now. It might not be credible, it seems, with this Carson Wentz stuff that's being talked about. I don't tend to buy it completely, but I do buy that like someone in the Eagles. So, someone's talking there in Philadelphia. Most definitely. Yeah. And it might, it might, it might, it could be anybody. It could be practice squad guys for all we know. But somebody's talking and there's a reason for it. Is that going to be what determines whether Carson Wentz is great? If he is wanting to do the offense his own way, or not not his own way, but if he wants to play more aggressive than, say, the coaches do, and maybe he gets into it with coaches once in a while, and maybe he gets into it with teammates once in a while. If Carson Wentz plays like the level Carson Wentz played at last year as an MVP-level player, that other stuff starts to not matter. And I think maybe we will start to see that with Cleveland if they, you know, start to have some success here. They've had dysfunction for years and years and years. And this report by Seth Wickersham at ESPN is highlighting all of that. But again, they got the quarterback. So how much is it going to matter? The Bills have the best culture. Did the Bills have the best culture in the league last year? They might have. They still won six games. Which is the same that we saw with Dick Geron and Chan Gailey and... All the coaches that have run through here. Good. You got the culture in. I'm fine. I don't think it's completely meaningless. I also don't think it's super important. But okay. You got it set. You wanted to do it that way. You did it that way. Now is the hard part. Now is where they got to follow through with the talent. And to me, when I compare them to a team like Cleveland, like their hard part's over. Almost. They got some gaps to fill, but not many. Bill's got a lot of work to do here in the offseason. Uh, senior Bowl is going to be interesting to watch because I want to see some of the receivers. Again, I'm a big receiver guy. I played receiver in high school. Um, favorite players are almost always receivers, and I think it's no secret that this team needs an upgrade there. Foster looks nice. Zay Jones looks like he could be something, um, although not super special. Like He could be a productive player for you. I want to see these receivers at, at the, at the uh, Senior Bowl. In a second, we're going to hear from Jordan Reed from Cover One. He was on the morning show. A uh, lot of stuff on the Senior Bowl guys. The UB guys especially. Anthony Johnson. Like, if you can grab him in round two, round three. Like, that's the type of stuff I'm looking for. You got to hit on those picks. Where can I find my Jarvis Landry? Not in terms of being, like, a jerk all the time and on the field, but... The guy that can give me 70, 80 catches in 1,000 yards that I got in round two or three. Let's see him do that. And maybe these senior bowl receivers uh, is a first step of that. Marquise Brown, the uh, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma, he's the name I keep fixating on because he's like projected to go late first, early second right now, and he is dynamite in terms of speed. And I love the idea of that type of player. We'll see if... Uh, any of those guys come to fruition if the Bills pick him in the first place. All right, little Browns, little Bills talk there. That ESPN Seth Wickersham article, by the way, if you haven't read it, check it out because it's there's some good stuff in there. Hugh Jackson being mad about them trading a punter is hilarious. It's <laughs> just like, come on. They traded a punter, and he throws a hissy fit. Really? 
All right. Well, he's not head coach anymore for a reason. So I kept Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell. We're going to play back Jordan Reed, cover one, uh, talking some draft with Howard and Jeremy next here on WGR. There's not a ton of first-round worthy wide receivers in this group, in my opinion, but there's a host of guys that you really would be interested in in the second round. And the great thing about the Bills is that they're really in that range where teams may try to trade up for a quarterback. So they could trade back and maybe get an extra first-round pick like they have done in years past. But also, if they want to stay in that spot, they can take the best player available. Jordan Reed from CoverOne.net. Might as well just let you hear the whole thing. We were going to do it anyway. Might as well do it now. So that cap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell. 803-0550 if you want to get any thoughts in before the end of today's show. Uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, the Browns and the Bills last segment. A lot of chip stuff still going on. Some outrage over no inclusion of a dill pickle flavor in my top 10. If you missed my top 10, I had spicy sweet chili, number one, Doritos. Number two, Cool Ranch Doritos. Number three, Cheddar and Sour Cream Ruffles. Number four, Garden Salsa Sun Chips. Top five, Lay's Salt and Vinegar. That was the top five. I had the top ten. Spicy Nacho Doritos, ten. Nine, Sour Cream and Onion Pringles. Eight, Lay's Wavy Hickory Barbecue. Seven, Fritos Honey Barbecue Twists. And six, Pizza Pringles. I don't know why I went one to five and then ten to six, but that's just the way I did it. Whatever. I'm fine with it. I have no big issues. I don't think I should have any big issues. I've never had these Cape Cobb, Cape, uh, let me try that again. I've never had these Cape Cod kettle cooked chips, the salt and vinegar ones. I'm getting a lot of tweets about that, so maybe I'll have to try those. Nick, who called in earlier with his horseradish and cheddar, not trying those. No interest. Get get your horseradish away from my chips. What Mayonnaise flavored chips next? Like, what, what am I doing here? When does it end? Right. Like, come on. You know one chip? You know, I like honey mustard. It's one of the top dips to me. Not a fan of it as a flavor. Anytime I've tried anything, like I think Lay's is maybe uh, dabbled in this, in the arts of honey mustard flavored chips, and uh, wasn't I, I feel like I was remember not being impressed. It's a classic move of pretzels as well. I I'll say this pretzel wise, good. Good. Yeah, like the pieces, those like honey mustard. Flavored uh, pretzel pieces. Oh, oh. I don't think I'm legally allowed to, since I live in Buffalo, put the hot wing underneath them, but it's close. They're both really good. All right, let's t- listen to some draft stuff, some more uh, intelligent football conversation here from uh, Jordan Reed, who was on the morning show earlier today from Cover One. The Senior Bowl's going on this week down in Mobile, Alabama, and Jordan Reed is among those there for CoverOne.net. And he joins us right now to talk a little bit about some of the prospects, including the UB guys that are down there. Jordan, it's Howard and Jeremy. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great, guys. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Jordan, let me let me start with the two UB guys, and then I want to hit some areas of need for the Bills. Uh, I know, uh, you know you tweeted the other day, one of the tweets you had from down there was about Tyree Jackson, the UB quarterback who's down there at the Senior Bowl and working out this week, and mentioned that he is a massive project. What are you seeing when you're looking at Tyree Jackson? Well, first, I just want to talk about the weigh-in. And, you know, each guy walks up and goes across stage. They get their height and their weight. And the first thing you notice is just how tall he really is. 
I saw him walking around the day prior to the weigh-in, and I'm like, man, he might actually end up being taller than 6'6". A lot of people don't really realize how tall Tyree Jackson is. And then once he was measured at 6'7", there was a lot of oohs and ahs in the crowd. So it was really good seeing him measure that well. And just watching him progress down here in Mobile has really been a treat to watch. He came in, it looked like he was a little timid. And that's understandable, just being in a new environment, surrounded by so much NFL personnel. Uh, he really settled in yesterday. I thought he had a better day yesterday. So it's really good to see him progress as the days go on. It's funny. This has nothing to do with where he, whether he's drafted, where he's drafted. But you mentioned his height, and he measures a, a flat 6'7". Um, I went over to watch one of their practices before the season began, Jordan. And I had never, I'd seen him on TV, but I never met him in person. So I'm on the field. I want to grab a couple interviews. And, and they walked Tyree Jackson over. And I had the same thought you just said. I thought, this guy's big like you you don't understand on television until you see a six foot seven quarterback walk in front of you and go holy crap this guy's massive yeah he's massive and that's the first thing that came to mind and I was just amazed when I see him I didn't expect him to be as tall as he was because you know a lot of times a lot of schools they live they give him a couple inches let's be honest guys they usually give some guys a couple inches but they actually shorted him which is very rare there's one guy was it Temple had a guy who was they listed at six two but he's like five eleven Wow. Yeah, I know it happened with Alabama with Isaiah Bugs. They oh. listed him at six five and he ended up six two. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> you get a, a, little, a, good a little generous. Yeah. Well you know, how does how Jordan, how does Tyree fit in with the group of guys that are down there, the rest of the quarterbacks? Where does he slot in in the group, do you think? Um I think he's he's right there with him. And you know, the other quarterbacks in the group, Will Greer and a host of other guys as well. I thought he's fit in pretty well with those guys and to this point, nobody's really stood out as much as you would have liked coming into the week. But that's really good for Tyree Jackson because he wasn't really a huge headliner name coming into the week, even though he was a late addition. But mm-hmm. a lot of people wanted to see how just he competed with this group. And I thought he's done a great job to this point. Typically speaking, Jordan, not not just Tyree specifically, but when you get, a say, a quarterback from you know one of the non-Power 5 schools, can a week at the Senior Bowl do more harm or more, you know, or more good? Because I, I'd almost lean towards uh, the more good thing because, you know, UB Mid American Conference. If he shows out, he's competent. You know, at the Senior Bowl against this, the rest of this competition, that would help his draft stock. But what do you think? D- d- does it help hurt as opposed to say, Drew Locke from Missouri or 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 even the kid from Duke, Daniel Jones, or even Will Greer who played in power conferences. It really just depends. And the thing you really want to see most with smaller school guys or nine power five uh, guys is how they adjust to the speed of the game. And I thought Tyree Jackson has done a really nice job of that. He hasn't been late on any throws or anything like that. But the biggest thing you worry about down here is just how his chemistry is going to be with the guys he's throwing to. Because Mm -hmm. outside of Anthony Johnson, he hasn't thrown to anybody here. And we know that routes and routes are all about timing. And I thought he's done a good job of that. Now, he struggled a bit on the first day, and every quarterback really struggled because they just don't know Mm -hmm. the guys that they're throwing to. But it just looked different when he was throwing to Anthony Johnson because, of course, those guys have been teammates, and they've done a lot of damage in the MAC conference. So when he was throwing to Anthony Johnson, it looked a bit better. And then yesterday, I thought when he was throwing to other guys or other surrounding targets, he adjusted really nicely. Well, let me ask you about Anthony Johnson, and that'll transition us into areas of need for the Bills, because wide receiver is certainly on their list. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on Anthony and, and where he slots in in this group? I'm a fan of Anthony Johnson. I love his story. Uh, I love everything about him. And 
the thing that I love most about Anthony Johnson, he doesn't have one overly dominant trait, and he's not great at one thing, but he has a well-rounded game, and he's good at a lot of things. And that's what you notice about him down here. He doesn't create a lot of – or he doesn't generate a lot of separation, but he's really good at making contested catches. His routes are very fluid, very smooth. He's not overly fast, but he has just enough to win on the perimeter. And that's what he's been doing down here. He's been able to get open, and he's making some really nice contested catches. Overall, and not just the senior bowl, Jordan, but as I mentioned, a wide receiver is definitely an area of need for the Bills. Maybe they go into free agency, maybe they trade. But when it comes to the draft, what, what's, um, what is this year's class of wide receiver like as a group? Well, there's not a lot of high-end talent or a lot of star power in this group. There isn't an A.J. Green or Julio Jones or anything of that sort. But it's a group that's very deep. And that's what you notice about this wide receiver class. You're going to hear names like D.K. Metcalf or Hakeem Butler or Nakia Harry at the top and a host of other guys. But all of those guys really aren't differentiated. And it just depends on what type of flavor that you want. And that's what's really great about this receiver class. And if you need a receiver, because there's a lot of guys that can eventually develop into wide receiver ones. And even if they don't, they're going to be high-end, complimentary type of receivers. It, with, with the group, I mean, the Bills have the ninth pick. So that would, see, it would seem like Brandon Bean yesterday was talking about not drafting for need and going with the best player available. It would seem like going with a receiver at nine would be a stretch at this point. So if the Bills want to add to that, is it trading down in the, and finding a guy lower in the first round? Is it, is it deep enough they could wait until round two or three and still get a quality guy there? Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's probably where they will target a guy because there's not a ton of first-round worthy wide receivers in this group, in my opinion, but there's a host of guys that you really would be interested in in the second round, and the great thing about the Bills is that they're really in that range where teams may try to trade up for a quarterback, so they could trade back and maybe get an extra first-round pick like they have done in years past, but also if they want to stay in that spot, they can take the best player available. And that's exactly what Brandon Bean was talking about yesterday. They're not going to lock themselves or pigeonhole themselves into that type of predicament where they want to draft or need. Rather, they want to get the best player, whether that's on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Are there any offensive linemen who you think could be worthy of, of a pick at nine or, or maybe even a little bit below that if they traded down? I think Jonah Williams. I think he definitely will be worth that pick at the nice spot and he's going to get picked apart as this process goes along and you're already seeing it a lot of people are debating whether he's a guard or a tackle just because of his stature i believe he's around six five three hundred pounds and he has short arms and we all know the arm debate armland debate really goes on this time of year determining if guys are guard or a tackle but the bills need offensive line help they have to find a way to protect josh allen and i think whether he's a guard or a tackle, I think Jonah Williams will be a great pick for the for the Bills. Jordan Reed with us on our Western Hotline, CoverOne.net. A couple other positions I want to run by you, Jordan, again, from the Bills' perspective. Uh, and I don't mean necessarily with the ninth overall pick or a first-round pick, but what about the group of tight ends? We're, we're kind of expecting they would move on from Charles Clay in this offseason, which would open up a number-one tight end spot for this club. What about that position? I love this tight end class. I think it's fantastic, and we know Brian Dabble has that connection with Irv Smith Jr. in his time in Alabama, so keep an eye on that name. I think Irv Smith Jr. would be a fantastic fit in that offense. His dad, he has the genes. His dad was a tight end for the Saints. Uh, He got drafted by them. I'm not sure exactly what year, so he has the genes 
I think he would be a great fit. Also, a guy like Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson, the Iowa tight ends, I think either one of those guys would be great fits as well. And this, the biggest thing the Bills need to be worried about this entire offseason is just surrounding Josh Allen with as many weapons as possible. And I, I'd say the same thing that the Bears did last year with how they surrounded Mitchell Trubisky. I think that's exactly what Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott need to do this year to Josh Allen. Just set him up for success as much as humanly possible. Well, I'm going to stay on offense for the last position, even though, as it turns out, maybe the Bills end up taking a defensive player with the ninth pick. Running back, okay? Again, you have an, uh, you know, LaShawn McCoy going into the final year of his contract. You have Chris Ivory. Uh, they could use a, a young running back of the future, so to speak. Uh, but again, if, if you want to not cover that in the first round, maybe second round, third round, what have you, what about the depth of the running back class? It's actually really good. Now, once again, there's not a lot of star power at the top, but a guy like Josh Jacobs uh, from Alabama who's getting a lot of buzz right now, David Montgomery from Iowa State, and even a guy like Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic. I think all of those guys will be terrific fit, and we all know LaShawn McCoy has a very high cap number this year, and we don't know if they're going to bring him back at this point. They say they are, but that's a very, very high cap number, especially for a position that's very disposable, and you maybe can save some cap room at that spot, even though it would be very tough to part ways with LaShawn McCoy, but he is getting up there in age, and we all know once running backs hit that, magical number of 30 years old they really go downhill from there so just getting some fresh legs in there behind Josh Allen I think that would be I think that's something that they do that they definitely should think about all right hey Jordan curious Bills don't need a quarterback who do you, we, we talked about Tyree with you earlier and again not not just the group that's at the senior bowl but as you look at the overall class who do you think is the best or maybe the top two quarterbacks in your opinion in this year's group I'm a huge fan of Dwayne Haskins just the sample size is small. He's only started 14 games, so that gives you a reason for pause a little bit. But just the improvement, just the improvement that he's shown in those 14 games. I thought he struggled early on in the middle of the season. He had some rough patches, especially against Penn State. That really was a rough game. And Purdue as well. Those were probably his worst two games. But you talk about him in the championship game against Northwestern, and then in the bowl game against Washington. I thought he was fantastic. And those, that's just the upward trajectory that you just love to see from a quarterback. And I think he's going to be really good. Now, he's not going to be good initially when he goes into the NFL. But I think if he's able to sit maybe half a season or even an entire year, I think going into his second year, I think he could be really good. Another guy that I'm a fan of is Drew Locke, who's down here in the Senior Bowl as well. And he's had a decent few days. He hasn't split out as much as you would have liked. But it's easy to see the arm strength that he has. The ball just explodes off of his arm, but he needs to improve on some of the things that to well round out his game. And the biggest thing that he needs to work on is just his footwork and his base. I think that's the biggest deficiency in his game right now. So if he's able to improve upon those things, I think he could position himself to be a top 10 pick. And then we have the wild card of Kyler Murray. And I'm sure you guys have been tracking that story as well, just the baseball and football fiasco, which one is he going to gonna ultimately end up choosing? So I'm a fan of this quarterback class, even though there's not a huge amount of high-end talent, but I think there's some guys in this class that you could develop to end up being long-term starters. Jordan Reed with us here. If you want to follow him, he's with CoverOne.net. If you want to follow him on Twitter, at jreed, R-E-I-D, at jreed NFL. Jordan, thanks for uh, giving us some time down there in Mobile, and enjoy the rest of the week. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. There is Jordan. If you missed any of that, it's on demand, WGR550.com, radio.com app. Uh, Warriors are playing right now on national TV. It's about all that's going on in sports. 
<laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. This Wizards player, he had an open jump shot, and he's like, oh, look, free dunk, and he went to get it, and Marcus Cousins just threw the ball back in his face. The guy landed on the ground. Just, oh, so embarrassing. Warriors. Ruined the sport. Just ruined it. I mean, they got 50 points. They're not even playing well. They got 50 points. There's seven minutes left in the second quarter. Whatever. So the nightcap. Uh, last call coming up next. Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell. 803-0550 is the phone number here on WGR. They're a team that never beats themselves. They handle situations really well, and you can just see they've got that mental toughness that we would like to hope that our team personifies as well. No matter what circumstance comes up, they just keep competing, they keep battling, and you know they're a, they're a resilient group. But I think it you know it's definitely a credit to the leadership that they have, starting with Coach Belichick, and their players are bought in, and, and they've consistently delivered and, and produced that you know a level that's unmatched. Sean McVay. Celebrating his 33rd birthday today. Did you see this stuff with uh, his college career? He played wide receiver in 2006 for Miami, Ohio in the MAC, And they played against Kent State, who of course was quarterbacked by Julian Edelman. Really? So you've got the head coach of the Rams playing receiver on one side of the field. And you've got the receiver for the Patriots playing quarterback on the other side. That happened. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know Sean McVeigh really played football. I mean, I assumed like at some level he did, but I guess I didn't know that he was like a Division One wide receiver. I mean, he's not big. He looks like he's 5'4". I'm sure he's not that short because he's standing next to Giants all the time. But, yeah, I was surprised by that. Um, let's get one call in here. Is it his last call here on the nightcap? Marcus, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Marcus. Are you there? Hold on. Now, that was my fault. Go ahead, Marcus. Hey, how's it going tonight? Good. How about you? Good, man. Yeah, I just wanted to see if you uh, had any uh, bold predictions for the Royal Rumble on Sunday Ooh. as it, as we uh, open up the road to WrestleMania. Hey, man, I'm not a big WWE fan, but I do have a prediction for you because I think they're – you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I think he's still uh, he's still wrestling because I, I think I read about him a couple days ago. Uh, our buddy Brian Mazarowski. You know, I should have had him on because it's kind of tradition here that we've had that Ryan at least used to have Brian on to talk about the Royal Rumble, um, and I didn't do that this year. We'll see. Maybe tomorrow. I guess I could do it tomorrow if I really want. But uh, I know Kofi Kingston is still wrestling, and I do remember when I liked it when I liked the, the WWE more, which I don't really follow it anymore. But he was like pretty entertaining in the Royal Rumble. So, considering I don't know many other names than that, I'm going to say Kofi Kingston's going to win. How's that sound? Is that realistic? It's good. So, no, probably not. <laughs> hey, he's, he's in the Rumble, so anybody can win. Okay. What, what's your prediction, man? Do you got one? I'm I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Seth Rollins. We're going to okay. step up to uh, get a championship match at WrestleMania. Gotcha. All right, Marcus. Hey, thanks for the call, man. Always appreciate it. Um, all right. Seth Rollins for Marcus. Kofi Kingston for me. We'll have to maybe work out some sort of side bet if one of those win. But he's telling me Kofi Kingston's not going to win. I don't, like, I don't know wrestlers. Almost at all. Like, I know the old guys that, of course, are famous from before my day, and then I know, like, a few from when I watched 
for like a year in middle school. That's about it. That's pretty much it. Question for you. Sure. Potential violation from Sharks fans. Okay. Tweet popped up on our GR account. Greg Wyshynski, NHL writer ESPN, said that Sharks fans at Media Day booed John Tavares. Is that fair? Oh, that's a great question. I'm going to say, yeah, it's fair. I think so. But he, was he ever really in the door? He should have been. I know he should have no, no. been, but okay, was well, he? Seemingly, the way it went down is he eliminated the Islanders the night before he signed in Toronto. Right. So after he eliminated the Islanders, he was deciding between the Leafs and the Sharks. And, you know... They offered him thirteen million dollars. If I'm a Sharks fan, like you're not, you're not going to take thirteen million dollars to come play for my great team. I'd feel a little spurned, a little bit. Like if you're going to overpay a guy, which I know Tavares is one of the best players in the league, but thirteen million dollars is definitely like that would have made him the highest paid player in the league cap hit wise. I think. And if you're not taking that, yeah, I'd feel a little spurned because actually, you think about it, they got Carlson, they had Tavares. It's a super team. That's about as close to super team you get in the NHL. If he was there. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair. Um, like It's close. It's close. But I, I, I'm going to vote it's fair. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with you booing anybody, though. We boo Chara here because he's tall. Really. And we hate the Bruins, too. We booed Will Butcher at a development camp game. Or Prospects Challenge game. Okay, yeah, you got me there. <laughs> I mean, okay. come on. Yep. Here, like, yeah, I'm, fi- I'm fine with booing almost anybody. Honestly. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'll be back for a full show again on Friday, which is tomorrow. Song draft. little recap, probably, on the song draft. I'm going to analyze my team. Maybe we'll just play my songs throughout the whole show underneath. We'll see how it goes. Until then, have a good night, and I'll catch you tomorrow. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Kyle Powell on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 